Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. We're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn and our website, of course, propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on our website, please leave a Google review and if you're watching via social media, get involved in the comments section below. Our email address is uh, property ma- or hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk if you'd like to... Uh, suggest a topic for us to discuss and if you don't have time to watch us you can get us as a podcast of course every Monday 10am from the platforms you see over on the other side of the screen. Finally the show is also broadcast across the week on Dilse Radio. So let's take a look at this week's property stories with our property expert Joe Joshi. Hi Joe. Hello hello good morning good morning to everybody good morning yeah what a nice sunny day it is actually I think a bit of a late summer by the by the looks of things but make the most of it um and uh, yeah hello to our listeners as well on the podcast um and uh, Dilsey Radio. Josh do you know it's amazing actually Joe because we've been uh, going what nearly three years in fact three years next month and I don't think we've ever discussed the property portals and of course they're a fundamental part of uh, the property business and how people buy and sell houses and some interesting research has just come out about the portals because there's only a a handful of them really the the websites that people use namely of course uh, Zoopla, Rightmove and On The Market but uh, they're Prove it. They have proven over 20 years to be very popular with home buyers. But it's interesting to look at how they're perceived by the different age groups. So new research uh, from the communications agency Oracle says that um, uh, just 28% of 18 to 24-year-olds cite property portals such as Supla Right Moving on the Market as the information source they most trust when looking for a home to rent or buy. And that contrasts to 45% of the 25 to 34s and 43% of 35 to 44s. So even though those uh, older age groups trust them more, it's still less than half. So, And yet it seems to be the main way that people buy houses. I mean, I'm interested to hear your view. You've worked with them for 20 years. You're a, a subscriber to their services. So how do you view the last 20 years working with these portals? It's an interesting topic, Paul, and interesting to see how people's um, way of buying uh, property has changed and evolved. Um, I'm not necessarily um, sure that it's for the the good, um, but uh, it's a good subject to bring forward. So, you know, being in the business for now over 40 years, 43 years now, give or take a, a few months out of the way, um, it, it, I, I can go back, and I'm sure you know colleagues like Guy will come back and, and join us on that in a, in a minute about how um, the the process has changed from um, having your property marketed by a local agent and, and advertised perhaps the local freebie newspaper that may have come through the door. In fact, even prior to that, it was a paid-for newspaper, um, and in the back of the newspaper, you would get a section of property. And, and to be honest with you, for the paid-for newspaper, their best section was always property. And eventually, there was a breakaway from um, newspapers that were paid. Uh, people started to have delivery of free newspapers with literally property pages after pages after pages. Property has been always been, um, you know, the, the sweetheart of everybody, to be honest with you. It's what everyone looks at. Uh, it's what you know. People gauge their life with. It's what their target is. It's what their belief is. It's what they want to try and ultimately achieve. Is to have your own home. Then, of course, the digital age came, and as the digital age came, um, you know, people like Right Move 
which is a collective, in all honesty, of originally the larger agents um, who decided that that is going to be the future. That's the way people are going to buy uh, properties. So uh, people like Countrywide, Connells, etc., who are the who are the bigger operators, got together and created uh, what was Right Move. Now, Right Move is probably pop proven the most popular. It's just kind of a, a byword, a buzzword for property. If you think you're looking at property, you go to Right Move. It just became you know, synonymous, I suppose, with property. There was a whole bunch of other uh, portals that came live. And they were, there was probably about 15, 16 of them, to be honest with you, everybody that got up in the morning decided that they were going to become a portal. Um, and so there were people like, um, you know, uh, Property Express, Property Finder, all sorts of other uh, avenues, which were then sort of swallowed up by Zoopla. Uh, so Zoopla means nothing really, if you think about it. It was just a, like a, a thingy, uh, a thing magic, if you want to call it like that. It was just the name that somebody created and thought, oh, well, let's call it Zoopla. And then Zoopla came along, um, a city operator, and it sort of swallowed up all of the um, other smaller portals and, and, and collectively created a competitor to right move uh, and so forth the thing is that um it's changed the property market a lot but what it doesn't change and what it doesn't have um is the touchy feeling and and that is something that will just never ever go away from from that and that's probably part of the reason we see such a, a disparity in the in the, um, the numbers of people that maybe have the trust or use that tool there's still a section of people that want to be able to walk into a property um, uh, rather than have it all digital and, 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 and think that I can buy it online and see everything online. And some of it was proved okay at the time when perhaps COVID was and people thought, oh, you know, I can't go and visit it. But to a large extent, it's always been about people who say, I want to go and feel it. And property is very much like that, whether we like it or not you have to be there you have to know that it feels right you have to know that that is the home that you want to make or that is the house that you want to make a home should i say um, so there's a lot of reasons for, for that but of course the young, younger generation that first came along into this thought this is the only way to buy it means that i don't have to get out of my chair i don't have to get out of my bed i, I just can look everything here and i can and then do virtual tours came on uh, floor plans came on, pictures came, I mean, it just, you know, evolved to such a point that you just didn't need, or it was made to feel you just didn't need to actually get up, get out and go and visit a property. However, we know that um, it's the most expensive form of money that you'll ever spend individually in your lifetime, whether it's 50,000 or whether it's a uh, you know, five million, it is still something that is a lot of money that you're going to spend. So you need to visit, you need to go and, you know, feel that it, it feels right. And I think that's the section that the portals just don't get. They put a lot of information. Um, and the problem with that information is that it's only translated to what you want it to translate. But when it comes to understanding it, you need someone to explain it, someone to make you feel that it's the right thing. And that's where I suppose in this situation, I, I want to use a, a phrase that I've used many times, you know, a radio killed the uh, uh, video star, the video killed the radio star situation. And here we are, portals have tried desperately hard to um, knock off a state agency. 
um, thinking that there was. And we've had other people like Purple Bricks, all sorts of other people that have come and gone because they want to say that you don't need an agent, you don't need to pay that kind of money, you don't need to do this, you can all be done online. But the truth of the matter is that they'll never do that. It's, it's been happening over 40 years. There's been every time someone gets up and goes, oh, I've got an idea, I know how I can you know, cut those costs, get rid of those agents and uh, make it easier for people, but you cannot. And that system has um, varied a lot. So one thing that I've learned out of that period is that people still want, and that's why I still exist for, for what it's worth, people still want to pick up the call and say, you know what, um, I've got this idea, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about this, can you share how that happens, what the process would be, how do I get around this, which broker do I speak to, what happens in, in, in the conveyancing system, what, you know, so they want to have that comfort, that empathy, that feeling of trust, talk to somebody, understand it, because that's something that they can't explain on the portals. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the whole purpose that they exist is they were disruptors to the industry 20 years ago, and now they're facing the potential of being disrupted themselves because a whole new generation, these 18 to 24s, these Gen Zs, or Gen Zs, as they probably call them in the States, they don't trust authority. And ironically, they came from um, the disruptor side of town, if you like, and, and now they've become the establishment, and Gen Z just doesn't want to hear from the establishment. So it's only one in six of 18 to 24-year-olds actually place their faith in, um, in, in, in these portals. And they prefer, of course, people's reviews and recommendations via sources such as Trustpilot, significantly more than those of the older age group. So 10% of 45 to 54s and 8% of 55 pluses trust things like uh, Trustpilot. Um, additionally, just under a quarter, 23% of Gen Z's potential home movers would move, would most trust a personal interaction with an estate agent or letting. So, Actually, what they're saying is they're more likely to come back to a personal interaction than they are to look at a portal. Now, isn't that ironic? Well, absolutely. That's what I'm saying that, you know, um, they've all throughout that generation, throughout that time, have tried to to sort of think that this can be done without human touch, without the human conversation. Um, and here we are now almost the other way around. Why, why does Trustpilot and, and reviews matter? They matter because people want to see the real life experience. They want to hear about what was that experience all about? Did they, did they like the, the journey? Did they trust the people that they dealt with? Um, and if they're trusting it, maybe I should pick up the phone to that particular person and say, you know, you had a good review or you, you know, Trustpilot says that you're a good agent, you're a good person. And I want to get that view. So, and that's something that they can't get from portals because there is no touchy feeling. This is a very much a touchy feeling business, where you know this is the largest amount of money you're going to spend, and people want to know more and more. And that's why it's, it's coming back around because they've had those experiences, they bought things, and there are there are misgivings in those systems. Sometimes you buy things that are not actually there. They, you know, people have um, flowered it up, perhaps, or or digital photographs have been doctored or anything can happen where somebody thinks okay well i can buy that that makes it work and then it's not until you actually turn up that uh, it becomes very very different so i do see that that will continue to change and there'll always be someone there's always going to be a disruptor that is going to come along and think i can do it differently but 
it has existed long, long, and it's going to continue to exist, and they will. But one of the things that really um, people are not comfortable with is, and, and that's where agency has changed vastly, and that is that actual communication. In that time of 20 years, the new salespeople, the new negotiators, the new people that have come into that marketplace have actually um, not been spoken to. People do emails, they send WhatsApps. It's so impersonal that actually they don't get around to getting the real information and the real reason and the real wants and the needs of those particular buyers, interest people, their circumstances, can't explain. So I think that has really been killed off. I mean, it's, it's amazing that you know people send you a message by email through your portals or through your, your website. You reply by email. I'm still a bit old-fashioned, call me old-fashioned if you will, but old-fashioned I am. I still pick up the phone and say to somebody, I've got your message, how can I help you? What is it you're looking for? And people find that quite quite strange in a way, and at the same time quite refreshing to think that, oh, okay, is this your number? Can I, can I save that? Can I come back to you a bit later on? What you're saying makes eminent sense. I, I like the sound of what you're trying to do. Yes, I haven't looked at those things, but I should look at those things. That is the right you know, way of attacking it. I talk about, you know, have you got your finances sorted out? If not, have you spoken to a broker? Are you eligible for this? You know, are, these are the schemes that might be available. So for you might consider those things. This is the way. What about location, location, location? What about communication? What are your requirements? I was always taught <laughs> at the beginning, if somebody wants a garden, then sell them the garden, give them the house free, you know? And the problem is that that doesn't come across on a digital platform. It doesn't say, I want a big garden. Um, but you know what you do is you get a price range. So if somebody says, I want to spend half a million pound, everything at half a million pound is chucked at you, and then you've got to sieve it out. What they, what we used to do is used to say, well, actually, what is it you want? You know, And somebody would say, well, actually, I've got a fat growing family. We've got a really tiny garden, or we're living in an apartment, and we haven't got the space. We would love to have a garden. So I was always told, well, sell them the garden, because that's what they want, and mm. give them the extra room for free. Because at the end of the day, they won't worry about the rooms. They were more interested about the garden, you know. So I know it sounds a, a, a corny old way of dealing with it, but that's the truth of it. If somebody wants what they want, because that's their aspiration, that's their wish and their want, then sell mm. them what they want and give the rest of it. Of course, the fashion world and FMCG brands, they've all seen this already. So the, the rise of Facebook Marketplace, TikTok Marketplace and Depop for clothes and things like that. All of these new channels, um, and I've seen properties for sale on Facebook Marketplace, even advertised by agents on Facebook Marketplace. I've seen that happening. And then you look at someone like Grant J. Bates on Instagram, who has who sells, I think, for Hamptons, if I remember rightly, but he sells properties five million and above. So there's over, a, I think, uh, forgive me if I'm getting this, uh, he's either got 500,000 or a million followers on Instagram anyway. I think it's probably the million. And uh, on these properties, I mean, obviously, uh, for a lot of people, it's just uh, gawping at these opulent 24, 28 million pound properties, which is just stunning, you know. So he gives you property tours around them. And I have to say, I, I'm addicted to it. I love watching it. But there's no doubt about it because he puts it on there. He gets sales of that sort of property at that sort of value. Not that often, of course, but he does get property sales through people who saw it there originally. So there are people, and, you know, if, you've, if you're a young entrepreneur that's made a great deal of money and there are them around, they, they're likely to find you there. So 
the, the world is changing and he's finding that he's getting um, fellowship and he's also getting results for, from things like that. So I, I guess really the question is, what is the future looking like? And actually, to take from the chat here, just interesting to see that AI is making leaps and bounds in this sector. And we haven't even talked about that or even thought about it. There's a great point made today about the fact that AI is going to take so many of those creative or human-related negotiated word-dominated professions where, where people use language to achieve a sale or, or a result or a profit. AI is just going to be there and it's going to take a large chunk, probably a lot of, of our business. We've not even talked about that. That's a huge subject in itself. Yes, it is. And I, I, I accept AI will come in and, and obviously be another form of disruption. But AI is only as good as the person that is AIing in the first place. You know, I mean, if you, it, <laughs> it's, 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 it's no good saying that AI is going to create something that has been magical out of, out of the sky. No, you create an AI of someone like me chatting away. Well, it's my knowledge that AI is going to pick up. AI is nothing special other than another form of copying what we are doing and saying. So you can't change the human base that, that is that it, that starts all of that side of it. But what I'm, you know, your your chap that who's showing multi-million pound properties, he's getting a following because he's real. He's actually talking about it. It's you know he's walking you around the house. Mm. The people are turning around and saying, well. Actually, you know, he looks like the person that I want to know. I, I follow him because he's, he shows me properties that I aspire to or we'd like to aspire to, or it looks great. And he's explaining that and he's obviously been able to. So what has is, what is media done? I mean, I, I have to take uh, my own personal circumstances here. Here I am every Sunday morning with you doing a live show. It wasn't something that I set out to do. However, mm. It is using the best of my knowledge in, in, in all those years to share with the people to say, this is what changes. Now, has that changed for me? Yes, it has. Has it, has it changed some lives for other people? I get a lot of comments coming back to me and people saying that, you know, it was an interesting program. I didn't realize all that happened, but it was good. And can I speak to you about this? Can I, speak? you know, from a, from a business point of view, I don't need millions of people phoning me up and saying, because I, I wouldn't have the time, but it's good to have people calling me and saying, you know, I, I watched it, you talked about a subject that was you know, close to my heart, and I now need to talk to you about it. And can you explain how that would work? So, you know, it's a different way of delivering, but I never thought 40 years ago that I'd be sitting here on a Sunday morning chatting with you about subjects that, you know, ordinary folk is just saying, what's that about? Well, you know, what, 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 what do I talk about? How do I approach that? Well, here's a scenario. So I think, you know, that has evolved and it's going to continue to evolve and change. But what it won't take away is that human touch. You know, we, we need to, even when we walk someone around a property, we create a feeling of what that, that property is about. You have that chat and AI will only mimic whatever that chat is going to be. All it's saying is we don't need that person real. We can just copy him and paste him. Um, and, and, and that's what it's going to you know, start to do. Well, we were talking about AI and agents a minute ago. Let's just uh, talk about real-life examples. So last Tuesday, I had three agents visit a property that I own. And I was right. looking to get a valuation to see whether I would sell or whether I would stay. Um, and I invited three very different type of agents deliberately around. A big chain, a slightly smaller chain, and an individual who owns his own business, right? Mm -hmm. And the first one, 10 o'clock, 
owned his own business, turned up at five past ten. But he did get somebody to ring at five two ten to say he'd be five minutes late. So he was on salesman time, as I used to call it back in the day. But that's fine. You know, he explained it. Came round and uh, very big on the fact that he owned his own business. I said to him, well, that, that's good to me because I like someone who's got some skin in the game, so to speak. So we went round and we had a chat and he understood and not only did he email me, and he told me at the end, as all three of them did, yeah, I'll have uh, the uh, the uh, evaluation sent over this afternoon. So not only, to be fair to him, did he get me the email, he also delivered a printed copy through the door, which was interesting. So the second one turned up on time, um, and he uh, said, he was from a big chain, and he said, everything's about saving the planet now, so everything's on my iPad. So he showed me the whole of the right move portal, back end of what he'd done and research and all that kind of thing that you can show people, properties that had sold, etc., in the area, similar size and all that kind of thing. And he came uh, um, back, and at the end of the day, he said, okay, I'll get the uh, quote to you this afternoon. That didn't arrive. Uh, so the following morning, I get an email um, from them. The third one, unknown to me, was trying to ring me at half past nine to change the appointment because, and I was already embroiled in getting ready for the, the agent, so I didn't hear the call. Um, but they apparently had double booked me with their area manager who was coming around to probably give them a rollicking, I should imagine. And um, anyway, so it was nice. So so then uh, then I get a text to say, because they've been heavily texting me, all of them, to say, oh, you've got this appointment, you've got this appointment, don't forget this appointment. So then I get a text randomly um, while I'm waiting for the second agent saying, uh, we've, uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at quarter past three. The appointment was set for 12 o'clock, so why is it now quarter past three? So I rang them. Oh, we've been trying to get hold of you. Yeah, the area manager's here. We can't come out. I said, well, nice to know who, where your priorities lie. I was always taught that actually, you know, if there was a sale, I could get out of the meeting with the area manager because there's a potential for a sale. So that didn't impress me. Anyway... We arranged the appointment for quarter past three. They turned up at 20 to three. <laughs> Very oh, well, then. <laughs> so, and, um, uh, and they showed me round. And then as of yesterday, I still hadn't had, so that's what, five days? I still hadn't had the, um, sorry, as of Friday, so four days to be fair, I still hadn't had the, um, the, the, the valuation. So I chased the valuation. Uh, oh, that should have been in your email the day after. We did send it. Well, they haven't because it's not in my spam or anything, so it was never sent. So then they hadn't listened. I asked for uh, what it should go on the market for and uh, what it should, uh, what it would sell for. And they just gave me this broad uh, 10 grand. Um, it's, it, you know, it, was, it should go for somewhere between this and this. And that's not what I asked for. So I've had to now go back and say, can you please um, give me what I asked for, which is what it should go on for and what you think it will sell for. And, you know, when you look at that experience, um, and at least the guy who had the skin in the game, you know, who owned the business, was, was, did what he said. Uh, and, you know, even, even, it doesn't matter if you'd have said to me, uh, the second one, you know, okay, I'll get the report to you by tomorrow morning. That would have been fine. But he said this afternoon. That's right. <laughs> and they're not going to deliver. So, you know, AI, frankly, couldn't do a worse job. <laughs> because, and also, the, the fact is, if you, to take your point, if you're actually feeding in that kind of experience into AI, God help all of us. <laughs> so, so I rest my case, Your Honour. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's what AI is. But interesting, uh, uh, I have a question. So 
now that you've had that experience as a customer, and of course, as a presenter with me week in, week out for nearly three years, who would you pick and why would you pick them? Well, I would pick the guy who did what he asked and had the skin in the game because I do believe that's the right way. Um, but what I would say is he was old school and he was far too much on transmit and not on receive. He wasn't listening enough. And that's, that concerns me a bit, but I can deal with that, I think. But um, that would be my choice because, you know, someone who actually has uh, an investment in the business is going to do his best. And I think and that's always the case. In terms of, um, of, apart from obviously that be the case, did you feel that he would be the person that would do you justice? He would actually, you know, sell your property or deal with it in the correct manner. What knowledge did he have or any of them have? I mean, uh, the reason I'm saying is we shared this with my knowledge and hopefully it's, it's, it's good information going out. But mm. from your point of view, this is an interesting um, analogy to have because one of the things that I used to always use as a training point for my staff um, and still continue to do is that the best way to learn about your competition is to invite them in. Um, and whether it's your mum and dad's house or, or, or your own house or a house and just say, you know, could you come over and do me an evaluation? Because then you're now actually getting a full picture of what your competitor is going to be able to do or say. And if you were looking at that as, as a competitor or as a, as a person to make a decision on the sale of your property, would you, uh, you know, and, and what tools did they offer you in terms of their marketing? I'm just interested to know the whole experience because that experience is almost what I've been trying to share and say for all this time in, in, in the programs that we've been doing. Yeah, some of them mentioned that they would do um, premium. Uh, in fact, it was the bigger chains that they would always put the give them property because I think in Right Move you can have like a premium positioning, can't you? You can put it up on uh, on, a, on a on a pedestal, so to speak. So they they two of them offered me that. We didn't really talk um, with the first guy. We were he was basically saying, you know, we would obviously invest in the marketing of your property make sure we get it out there but to be honest he said that we do have quite a few people he said there isn't the volume that there was a year ago but the people that we have got contact with are actually serious buyers they're people who have to move want to move um whether it be job or family or whatever so he said you know we've not got the time wasters anymore because they know they can't afford it because the rates are so high now but the people that have to move he said so i've got people that you know i've got you know sitting there waiting for a property like this he said and it just so happens that the property you've got and where it is is actually quite desirable so he said i you know i i know that i'm not going to have to do too much marketing because i know i'm going to find somebody for it fairly quickly for you so you know and and, and whether that's true or not well we would only know if i went uh, through with it as it turns out i'm not going to sell but um uh, i'm going to hang on but uh, if I'd have gone that route, um, I mean, I, I suppose I, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I would only probably find out the reality of how good they were once I got committed down and down that line. And if the marketing wasn't up to the level, if they didn't do the premium positioning, which presumably works, uh, then, then maybe I would have chosen wrongly. It's difficult to know, isn't it? And, and actually, you know, so, three so very different experiences. But by the same token, they did get the price pretty much within about 10 grand of each other. So they pretty much did know what the market was and where the market was. 
uh, for the property. And, um, you know, I I was expecting something that was maybe 30,000 apart from lowest to highest, but actually they were pretty niche, pretty close. So a couple of more quick questions for you with that. In terms of their presentation as they arrived at your front door late on time or not turn up at all, you know, what what decision did you make of their ability as a person that's going to be handling potentially the sale of your property? Um, the second the second part of that question is going to be, um, apart from offering you premium listing on Rightmove, what else did they say they were going to do in order to try and help you sell and achieve the best possible price? Um, yeah. Well, hard. they did. Uh, yeah, there was a couple of comments. I mean, for example, um, I mean, the 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 guy who uh, was at the beginning was very similar to yourself. He'd had, uh, you know, a good 30 years or more in, in the business. Um, the second guy was the branch manager for the chain. He'd had 10 or 12 years, I think, from memory. The other guy had been in it probably six or eight years. So they were all reasonably experienced and they were all very presentable. Um, the younger two, which was the second two, they were probably willing to listen more than the first guy. Um, and in terms of they did offer advice such as, you know, maybe just getting a lick of paint on the walls, that kind of thing, just to sort of neutralise it all up so that people feel that they could actually get in. Maybe a bit of decluttering here and there was was advice that was given to help market it. They did talk about photos, actually, um, getting a decent photographer in and, and making the most of the rooms. Um, but other than that, there wasn't much mention of uh, marketing. Interesting, because I, 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 you know, when we, the reason I asked that question is our subject today was from portals to, to other things. And it's quite interesting that none of them actually mentioned that they, A, you know, obviously would have potential buyers, apart from one chap who said, I've got people that are, are quality mm. rather than quantity. But secondly, none of them actually really said that they'd actually, you know, um, do a sit down or a ring around and call or do an open house or put a board upside mm -hmm. and, and all of the other tools that are potentially available in their uh, box of tricks um, and actually only reliant on a portal um, on saying that they'd list you at the at the premium listing. What that tells me is how lack of experience that they have in order to be able to, you know, win you over a hand over fist, really, there wasn't a, a clear winner um, in your mind. You still left, you know, with, with potentially someone who's dropped a, a, a real life piece of paper through the door and, and responded quickly. But really, did they, um, you know, did they really make the impact of saying that's the person without fail, three different people, three different companies, three different sizes of them? Did not one of them really, in my in my understanding, I might be wrong, but did made and made an impression on you to say, even if I wasn't going to sell, I would use that person to sell. Mm. I think I think the, the the first guy came close. My only reservation was the fact that he talked a lot and um, you know wasn't listening as much as he was talking, and that's uh, but that's common for passionate people who, who do what they do, you know, and, and, and it's their business. And that business has been in the town for a long, long time. So, um, you know, they can't, they can't, and there's two of them, there's partners. So, and I, they have a team there, a small team, but um, I guess, you know, they wouldn't have uh, survived this length of time and through 2008, et cetera, et cetera, if they hadn't have been capable. Um, so one assumes that that was good. But um, yeah, I think, uh, it's 
it's it was a it was a frustrating experience i think and i just uh, you know at the moment you think to yourself well you know the market is so down right now and and the market is so tough um you know that uh, that you'd you'd have got that right so just I'm as sure, a final I'm sure, I'm sure the area manager <laughs> yeah I mean, I, <laughs> had, I, he I, have, uh, I, had he come on the appointment might have been horrified <laughs> i know but i mean the fact that they, they couldn't come out because the area manager is just purely uh, bad management even on the area manager's part uh, and that yeah. but I, I as a final point on that i mean the good thing i suppose for me personally is ladies and gentlemen that i've actually never been to paul's house i haven't had the privilege of telling him about neutralizing his colors but i can tell you i can tell you that my my valuation was probably about as right as everybody that yeah. turned up there. and yeah. that's 43 years plus of experience that that speaks so you know keep yeah. watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you were spot on as well, uh, Joe. So, uh, but that's that's an interesting aside. I just thought we'd throw that. That wasn't part of our planned conversation no, today, actually. No. <laughs> uh, but um, one of the things that did come up, actually, one of them mentioned about the conveyancing process, and 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 that's why this story is really where we are today. And we have covered this, so we won't go through the the why the situation is such a mess. But we do know that conveyancing now, on average, takes twenty two weeks. Well, back in two thousand seven eight, as this lady Beth Rudolph who's the director of delivery, whatever that means, at the Conveyancing Association. You know, she's the one that's saying, uh, this has got to, you know, we've got to do something about this, and we have at the end of the day, because, you know, in 2007-8, it took 12 weeks to con do a conveyance on a property. Now it's 22 weeks. Um, and what she's basically saying to sum this up, because we need to move on a bit, because we've, we've spent a bit of time talking about other things, but it was interesting nonetheless. But she's talking about the fact that actually the questions that they were asking in 2008 um, was, um, were, were very similar to what we're asking now. You know, there's so much information, that, initial information that a solicitor has to gather when you agree um, to, to buy some, a property, surely if whilst the dreaded hips that we used to have, the home information pack, which everybody loathed, interestingly, she says this, the, um, uh, the legislation that was put in place to do hips originally, which David Cameron then rescind, rescinded uh, because they were so unpopular, that legislation is still on the statute and could be easily be brought in. But what she's saying is rather than having these awful information packs that nobody read, actually make them of use to a conveyancer, to a solicitor, who can then gather all of this m information literally online because it's there for someone to see and actually even have a situation where a homeowner can actually go into the portal uh, like a government website and actually see all that information and uh, and then pass that on to anyone that wanted to see it so she said she believes that if we could have a home information pack that was of use to a solicitor uh, and that could then speed up the process and cut this process down what do you think about that joe well look uh, <laughs> I've got a simple answer for that. No matter how many times you create hip home information pack, information upfront of any sort, unfortunately, it is down to the solicitor. They will unpick it and create as many problems as physically possible for that transaction not to be. They just don't trust it. So what they've got to do is they've got to do their own. And whilst we are trying to cut the, the time, time and time again in the process, Unfortunately, the, the people that we are cutting the time for don't want it to be cut. Um, so when uh, upfront information is provided on some things like the home information pack and you pass that whole pack, lock, stock and barrel to a conveyancing solicitor who is going to act on behalf of the buyer, 
he then sits there and unpicks that and picks it to the point where it becomes completely useless as a hip because he needs to not only he needs to uh, you know satisfy himself and make sure that the questions are answered and, and raising questions but then perhaps he's also acting on behalf of a lender or in some cases if there are not sufficient solicitors on a panel i.e more than three partners in a practice they will then be told that another solicitor firm who will act on behalf of the lender will actually intervene and actually raise another set of questions and, and that's where the time goes so no matter how many times these legislations come along and start to tell you we're going to cut the system short the people we're cutting it short for actually create the longevity they will continue to unpick it we had this with hips we had spent a lot of money people built that and i can honestly tell you the two things that the people never ever came to pick up and see was a home information pack from the office which was fully available fully packed ready you know they could come in no one came to see it number one number two everybody talked about epc i can't think of now perhaps this is more current people are beginning to say you know uh, it has to be an epc uh, c minimum rated because my lender is saying it has to be that otherwise i can't have this and i can't have that but ultimately nobody ever came and they looked at it and thought well, why am i paying for this epc it doesn't matter i'm going to buy the house anyway um so i think you know uh, there are some some things that can change, but the problem is going to be that the people we change it for were not allowed. Interestingly, the um, conveyancing association have said that they uh, have done some or some research has been conducted by the HM Land Registry Customer and Market Insight team on upfront information this year, and they sat found that three out of four members. Um, would agree that some kind of upfront information pack for solicitors' use uh, should be the new norm. And she's saying it needs to be government mandated. And the trouble is that we've always had this problem with housing being a plaything for the government. And we have talked about this bit before, that's for sure. Um, but she's saying the trouble is you end up with these junior ministers being made responsible for housing. And, and that is seen as a proving ground to whether they can move on to a more senior post in the cabinet later. So this situation where we've had, I think it was 13 housing ministers in 12 years, it's just been used as a stepping stone. Housing's never been taken seriously. And they're saying that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that's the most important thing. And, and ha you know, getting that 22 weeks back down to 12 weeks. And, and she, she raises a very valid point. Why? Does everybody in the chain involved in that process, not least the consumer, the person buying and selling, why do we put up with it? Why don't we demand change? Well, the reason why we put up with it and the reason why we don't demand change is because we all need the time. So the process at this moment in time in, in, is that, you know, let, let's just go through it very, very quickly. You see a house, you make an offer. You made an offer and you then got to go and speak to somebody about mortgages. You may have spoken to and mooted somebody before and they may have given you a, a direction of saying, yes, you can borrow or you kind of kind of get this. But now you're in it. When you're in it, you need the time because it may be that you can't actually get, get and borrow the amount of money that you think you want to borrow. So that process starts taking time and the buyers don't mind it primarily because Though they made an offer and, and, and agreed a sale in principle by saying, I've made an offer and I'm going to buy this, 
They now have got to go and prove the situation that they can afford it and, and get the financial. At the same time, they will not instruct a solicitor. They won't instruct a solicitor because they believe that the meter starts to run and they are going to be incurring costs on something that may not actually happen. So mortgage, then they'll instruct a solicitor. They'll instruct a solicitor in line with the mortgage uh, application because the mortgage application requires a solicitor. But the solicitor will not be instructed to do the work until they feel they've had a survey done on their property and actually physically have now been got a mortgage offer. They only need to appoint a solicitor so that the mortgage company knows where to send the offer to and who the solicitor is going to be. Until that time. So now that they have that, they will then maybe instruct a solicitor to say, I've got the money, I've got the offer, and now I can start. Now that the time starts with a solicitor, the solicitor will start to you know, go to and through, through, through the whole process. And that's where, so this time frame is only acceptable because people need it. That's why it's there. It's, you know, it's not, it's not gonna get any quicker in any other form or shape. The only thing they can do is if they turn around and said, hypothetically, that the mortgage application will not be acceptable until a solicitor has been appointed and that solicitor has given this as a conveyance because as part of the mortgage application, we need to know that that conveyance is absolutely right as a condition of the mortgage, but it isn't. So whilst I don't want to jeopardize the situation for potential buyers, you know, I can't see how that will be shortened because that's the process and they need the time because if they can't borrow with one lender, they may need to attempt a another lender or several lenders who may look at that. So it's always, you know what they say, it's subject to um, your circumstances um, and so forth. Uh, everything is based on your personal, so and if your credit is not being good or your circumstances are not right, you're not actually gonna be able to get that money. So all they've done is locked the idea, but they cannot proceed until they've got the money. She said uh, back in the noughties, we had a real chance of change. Then we had the credit crunch uh, and a change of government happened and hips were seen as the problem rather than the start of the solution. She said, in 15 years, we could well argue we have actually moved further backwards, if not for the fact that everything is now available to demonstrably improve the process, the time it takes to complete, and the consumer experience. Plus, the technology has improved. Now, I mean, we were talking a minute ago about AI taking the job of the salesperson. So, you know, with all of this technology that we have now and all these clever portals, I mean, we've had, you know, property portals for 20 years, just been discussing that very point, it just seems unbelievable that it's still 22 weeks to, to exchange some contracts on a property. It just defies me. And she says, finally, she says, if we're still talking about this in five years' time, let alone another 15 years, we'll have wasted another major chance for reform. I mean, surely it would be something that the government could get kudos from, just coming up with a system and, and, and actually putting some legislation in place to enforce that this changes. You know, I don't think it's down to the government to do that. I, I think that the system is way stronger than the government. The government are just going to, and, the, and this, uh, this is a, a little bit of a political football for them. So they're not going to get the house in order. Uh, the, the property market is a very important um, sector to the government, yet it's not important enough um, it, to, to appoint a proper senior minister to actually take a handle and deal with it you get a lot of junior ministers who actually come in to cut their teeth for another job because one thing is for sure people are going to continue to buy property whether a minister is appointed or not whether circumstances change 
or not. It is a wish and want of all the people that want to buy property that, you know, one day they're going to own a home. If it takes 22 weeks, it takes 22 weeks. Nearly half a year. And on that bombshell, we have to finish. We were going to talk about the Bank of Family, but that will keep for another day, and we'll talk about that next week, I think, because that's an interesting story. So it's not the Bank of Mum and Dad, just as a as a spoiler alert. It's not the Bank of Mum and Dad anymore. It's the Bank of Family, Through uh, uh, just to make sure that we get uh, all of our uh, references right these days in this politically correct world we live in. Anyway, on that note, we'll say cheerio for now. Thank you for watching Property Matters. We'll be back very soon with another Property Matters. <laughs>